So Jesus, thank you for the good news of Christmas and asking these next few minutes you help us understand it even better. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hello to those of you who are watching at home, those of you in the community center, out there in the lobby. Great to have you. Merry Christmas to all of you. One of the things Christmas makes crystal clear is that Jesus is good, but he's not polite because he's always interrupting what you got going on in your life. It's sort of like a, a story someone just told me about a six-year-old boy who after church, as everyone was mingling, ran up to the pastor and he said, he said, your jokes aren't funny. And then the boy ran off. A few minutes later, the kid came back and said, and your sermons are boring. Ran off again. A few minutes later, he interrupted yet again and he said, and they're too long. Finally, his mom came from the other side of the lobby and said to the pastor, I'm sorry, I don't know what he said to you, but he's at this stage where he repeats everything that he hears. <laughs> Something similar has actually happened to me once, but it's a different story. In a way, Jesus is like that. He is always interrupting your life. Now, I'm not supposed to say something like that on Christmas Eve because some of you have been dragged here by well-meaning relatives who are hoping that I convince you to follow Jesus in 15 minutes or less. And I'm not supposed to say that. But truth in advertising, you may not want him because Jesus will really mess with your life. Now, don't get me wrong, my experience from being an atheist and now is that Jesus gives us greater courage, an adventure bigger than anything else you're ever going to find. But to do that, he will totally mess with your life. I always think it's kind of interesting when people who don't actually think Christmas actually happened say, in, say even, even still, it's a very inspiring story. How on earth is this an inspiring story? What does it inspire you to do? Have kids in a barn? Like, it is not inspiring. It is radical and will turn your life upside down. In the Bible, when people encountered Jesus, they followed him or they tried to have him killed, but nobody said, oh, well. Nobody had a moderate response to Jesus. And if the only way Jesus makes us different is that we go to church on Sunday so that now we miss out on Sunday brunch, forget it. But what hooked me on following him is the revolutionary way he interrupts. For instance, Jesus interrupts our plans. I mean, look at poor Mary in this story. She's engaged to be married to Joseph, which means she's about 14 years old because that's when girls got engaged back then. So she's got a lot to do, right? She's got to plan a wedding. She's got caterers to call, all kinds of stuff. But God just interrupts her and says, I got an idea, Mary. Okay, you're going to get pregnant while you're still a virgin, and the baby is going to be God himself coming in human form. And yes, that's a whopper of a miracle to believe, but the God who made all of this surely could do that much. And this is no small ask, right? This is not, hey, Mary, can you do me a favor? Because in that culture, to be pregnant and unmarried, the penalty for that was death. But Mary says, may it be to me according to your word, brave girl. And a total interruption. And yet, and yet, what a ride. I mean, she got to talk to angels, got to see her son do miracles and change the world, got to see him raised from the dead. God said, I'm interrupting your plans, Mary, because I dream for you so much more than you dream for yourself. I don't want you to just have, give birth to a kid. I want you to give birth to a king. I don't want you to just raise a son. I want you to raise a savior. I don't want you to just have a family. I want you to have a purpose that's worth living for. Now, the adventure he gives us may not be quite as steep as the one he gave to Mary. It's not going to be the exact same thing, especially for the guys in the room. But he will give us what we need 
in order to handle what he gives us, the adventure that he brings us. He'll supply so that we can do it. And he wants to interrupt our lives to give us something bigger. Which brings me to the second thing that Jesus interrupts, and that is our happiness. Because happiness, unlike joy, happiness is fragile and it is temporary and it doesn't last. For instance, look at it this way. Most bars, this is, you're going to do a little audience participation here. Most bars have a certain hour in the day when they sell drinks and food for less. What is that hour called? Okay, you guys got that way too quick. Like, what are you all doing after church? But it's only an hour. What do you do with the other 23? The happy doesn't last. In the Christmas story, the wise men were the most educated, wealthy people of their day. But their happy wasn't enough. Their happy wore off. So they had to go searching. And it says when they found Jesus, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Not a little joy, exceeding great joy. And all of Bethlehem rejoiced with them. Which is a huge contrast to another character in the story, King Herod, who is so threatened that this baby is going to somehow threaten his power that he has all the babies in Bethlehem killed. Does he sound happy? Not a bit, right? He's got all the money, all the power, but no joy. Whereas Bethlehem is just this podunk little town, you know, Fife or something like that. And no power, no wealth, but they have joy. What do they have that Herod doesn't? Jesus. Jesus interrupts our happy to bring meaning and joy. It's harder, but the meaningful life is way better. You know what, maybe things right now in your life are just great. You've got a great job, great, great friends, all of your relatives tomorrow at the Christmas dinner table are happy, well-adjusted people, normal. But it sounds like some of them aren't. So just in case they aren't, I saw someone just showed me a picture of a sign they saw that shows that Home Depot has figured out a way of dealing with pesky relatives just in time for the holidays. Roach and ant killer ant spelled A-U-N-T. That should take care of her. <laughs> Buck 49, what a deal. It might be still open. You might want to go get some of that tonight. But even if everything is just perfect in your life, Jesus has more. I recently heard a guy named Blake who's in his mid-20s talk about when he was in high school, he was popular, athletic, came from a wealthy family, happy. And there was this tradition at his school that at homecoming there was a contest to see which guy would give which girl the most elaborate corsage and that would be, the winner would be announced at the game. And it just became this sort of status thing where everyone tried to outspend everyone else. Well, Blake had recently gone on a humanitarian trip with his church to a village in, in Africa where houses were made out of trash and kids were bathing in mud puddles. So Jesus was already interrupting Blake's happy. And he thought, if there's a God, how can he allow so much misery? But then he thought, wait, I come from this community where everyone drives Lexuses or Lexi or whatever it would be. And kids get, you know, a birth, for, for 16th birthday, they get a car. And he got one of those, not for me, so got to be God thoughts that said, how can God allow us to be so distracted? So when he got back to his high school, he was talking with a friend, looking at all these corsages, and he said, you know what, we could use this excessive tradition for something really, really cool. What if they spent the money instead on a button that said, I sent my corsage to Africa, and we collect that money and provide clean water for folks over there. They raised enough money to dig enough wells to provide clean water for 10,000 people. And he says, I've realized Jesus is the ultimate thirst quencher, ultimate 
contentment, and adventure. Because see, if Jesus gets in your life, he's going to make you part of his rescue mission. For Blake, happy would have been a great homecoming dance, right? Good dinner. But it would have faded in his memory just a few years later. But now, for the rest of his life, he'll be able to say, remember that homecoming where we kept 10,000 people from dying? Way better than any homecoming dance I ever went to. Jesus hijacked his happy to give him meaning and joy because it's better. And then the last thing Jesus interrupts is our mess. Because life can get kind of messy and kind of painful. And what I love most about the Christmas story is how dark this story is. We sentimentalize it, but it is really a dark, brutal story about a poor teenage mother giving birth in an alley in a country that is oppressed by a European power called Rome while a genocidal king goes on a rampage. It is dark. And it is a mess. Yet in that dark street shineth the everlasting light. Because the God who comes to us in the person of Jesus does not look for a happy hour somewhere. It's as if he said, how can I make this as hard on myself as possible so that they will know that there is no darkness so deep that I can't step into it and bring light. A friend of mine who's a pastor was in a hospital room recently with an older woman who was very sick and her family was there with her and my friend read some scripture and they prayed for her, and that just brought this sense of peace and joy. And then her grandson leaned down and hugged her and said, I love you, Grandma. And she said, I love you too, but you're crushing my intestines. Get off me. (laughs) And they all started to laugh. And in that moment, Jesus interrupted their grief and brought peace and laughter and this great family moment. I have seen Jesus interrupt divorces in process and give them an, an amazing marriage and all kinds of things. Because see, what Christmas really means is Jesus came to dwell among us, not just commute here. And every other God and every other religion, they stay in heaven or nirvana or wherever. But Jesus was born in a barn, died on a garbage heap, raised from the dead and spent everything in between with thieves and prostitutes and foul-mouthed fishermen. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. That's my God. He's not religious. He's not comfortable. He's a dangerous disruption. And he'll turn your life upside down. So if you call yourself a Christian, my question is this. What is Jesus interrupting in your life? Is your life any different because of him other than that you go to church? Because if it's not, it's not Jesus you're following, it's religion. So how can you let him interrupt something? And if you don't know Jesus, watch out. Because he wants to get into your life, interrupt stuff to give you something harder, but better and bigger and deeper. And if you want to know more about him, talk with a Christian friend, a pastor, find a good church, maybe read through the Gospel of Luke just to find out more. Or pray this prayer, Jesus, if you're there, show me. Because I believe you will. I'll close with this. I have a good friend who after years finally found the right woman to marry. But when he asked her to marry him, it didn't quite go as he had planned. She was getting impatient for him to ask. She'd waited a while. and This was back in February. But he decided he did not want to ask her on Valentine's Day because that would be cliche. Quick poll. How many of you think that was a good idea? Right. Now, I, one person, will talk after the service. Now, I, I, I tried to warn him. I tried to warn him. But as the Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. My daughter even tried to warn him through me. She said, is he going to marry her? Because if he is, he better get on that. Because if he likes it, he better put a ring on it. Yes, thank you, Beyonce. (laughs) So he just blew right past Valentine's Day, and she was ticked. 
And he planned to ask her the next day, but when he picked her up, she was so mad, they fought all the way through dinner. And then he took her to this viewpoint, romantic viewpoint, to ask her. They were still fighting, so he just decided to take her home and ask her on a different day. So he drove her to her apartment to drop her off, still fighting, and they were parked right next to the dumpster, which just seems so symbolic. And then Jesus interrupted. And he got one of those not-from-me-so-gotta-be-God thoughts that said, you know, there's never a perfect time anyway. And I am with you. So just ask her already. So in the middle of their fight, he just blurts out, well, this was the night I was going to ask you to marry me. And she said, well, this was the night I was going to say yes. Boom, engaged. <laughs> I love that story. Because Hollywood would have us believe that love is about mountaintop moments where everything is just Disneyland perfect, but a lot of life happens in the parking lot right next to the dumpster, doesn't it? And real love is when you can say, even here, even now, I choose you because I believe in what God is doing. And I've heard some great getting engaged stories in my day. You know, really elaborate engagements and, you know, helicopter rides with French chefs serving flambéed something while a string quartet plays as a mime mimes out, will you marry me from his glass box, you know. But my favorite is theirs. Because it shows that right there in the parking lot next to the dumpster is where Jesus interrupts and makes something amazing. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, where Jesus interrupts, there is freedom and hope and power, light that overcomes darkness, joy stronger than any despair, redemption bigger than your failures, courage that overwhelms our fears, love so powerful it outlasts governments, overcomes oppression, and can outrun any prodigal. Because 2,000 years ago, a child was born in a barn, not a palace, to show that Jesus steps into the messy places of our lives. He interrupts to bring us hope and courage and strength and joy to you, me, and this whole wide world. Merry Christmas. So Jesus, interrupt us. Step in and interrupt us. Help us to follow you, and we'll be grateful people. In your name. Amen.